Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The FT. Good news for buy-to-let investors as lenders return to the market. How has your With Profits pension performed? We look at the latest figures along with some seriously high charges. And what investment strategy should you be using to pick stocks? We discuss the most successful investing styles. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. Tanya Poley. Hi. And our special studio guest, Janet Wolford, OBE, editor of Financial Times publication Money Management. Hi. So let's start with the money news. This week, one lender raised its loan-to-value offer on buy-to-let mortgages to 85%, the first time since the credit crunch that buy-to-let investors have been able to get a mortgage with such a low deposit. The offer from Kensington Mortgages came as other mainstream lenders, including Santander and the Yorkshire Building Society, said they might also offer buy-to-let deals this year. But with rental yields showing only slow signs of growth, is it a good time to be a buy-to-let investor? Tanya... What is the state of the property market right now? Well, it's actually looking very attractive for um, buy-to-let investors or possible buy-to-let investors because what we're seeing at the moment, we're seeing rents, um, they've been sort of rising consecutively for the last sort of 11 months or so because we've got obviously this pent-up demand from first-time buyers who aren't able to actually get onto the property ladder. And so we're seeing actually there's this huge demand for, for renting right now. So in terms of actually looking for the long term, um, it looks very good for buy-to-let investors. Obviously, if you're looking to make short-term capital gains, that's unlikely to happen in this current market. Mm. So while rents are going up, um, what's happening with rental yields, though? Because property prices, we, you know, we still hear reports of prices going down this year. So mm-hmm. that might mean that rental yields won't necessarily go up that much. Well, rental yields are kind of slowly improving. Um, over the last sort of, you know, eight or so years, we actually saw rental yields um, drop quite a bit because obviously house prices were rising so much. Mm. But actually, we're seeing kind of low growth on the kind of rental yield side of things. So that's actually looking fairly attractive. I mean, you've also got to compare the different parts of the UK. So in the north, in places like Liverpool, Manchester and um, Nottingham, you can actually get kind of yields of between 6 to 9% because obviously mm. um, capital values aren't as, aren't as great over there. Um, when London, you're more likely to see around sort of 3 to 4%, um, obviously depending on the area, that will, that will, that will vary. Mm. But um, it's definitely looking like an attractive time, like I said, for the long-term investor to go into the market. So given that difference then in the country, you know, better rental yields up north, not such great rental yields in London. With these new deals that are coming out, 
um, do you have to achieve a certain rental yield to make it worthwhile? You do. I mean, that's the thing with the Kensington um, mortgage offer this week. So they've now come out and said um, they're basically the first lender since the credit crunch to offer 85% loan to values. And what we've seen so far, there's a um, majority of the deals that are at 60% of loan to value. Um, most are around also 75%, and we've got a few lenders at 80%. So really, for those um, buy-to-loan investors that only have um, a 15% deposit this and want to add to their portfolio or maybe want to enter the market for the first time, this is quite attractive. But when you actually look at the figures, um, you really need to get a, about a yield of over 6.1% to actually be able to fall, borrow the full 85%. Mm. Um, so that's the things that you've got to kind of look into. You can't just be like, oh, wow, you know, there's 15% um, you know, deposit deals back on the market. Um, you've actually got to look at the details and see whether um, what you're investing in actually stacks up. So it actually probably wouldn't be worth it if you're a London buy-to-let investor. Um, possibly not. It's, it's unlikely to be that attractive for, for those investors. Um, the other thing you also need to look out for is the reversion rate for this deal is actually quite high. It's around, um, it's about five, you go on to 5% plus um, LIBOR, which is currently at 0.75%. So at the moment, you'd, have, you'd face a pay rate of 5.75% when you come off the end of the two-year fixed deal that they've got. And obviously, we're expecting interest rate rises to, you know, happen over the next, well, over the course of this year, maybe. Um, so potentially in two years' time, you could be on a very high reversion rate. Okay, so as always, check the small print before taking out one of these deals. Thank you very much for that, Tanya. And for more on buy-to-let mortgages and how to find the best deal, look out for Tanya's article in this weekend's FT Money with The Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, should you be a value investor? First, though, with profits pensions. Insurance companies are still levying incredibly high fees on their pension funds, while the performance of with profits pensions is still not great. Despite strong rises in stock markets last year, with profits pension funds showed only a slight uplift on average. That's according to a new survey from Money Management magazine. High fees are not helping. Some insurers, notably HSBC Life, Scandia and Legal General, are taking 40% of your pension fund performance out in fees over a 25-year period. I'm here with Janet Wolford, editor of Money Management. Janet, why are the fees on these funds so high? Well, starters, these are not with profit funds where these charges are so high. They're actually unit-linked funds. And I would have to say, I'm not sticking up for them, but they all have a reason for the high fees. Um, Scandia, for example, um, offers about uh, 350 funds for you to choose from external fund managers. And there is an extra layer of management fees to pay on top. But as long as the funds perform well, people don't really mind that. And I have to say, Scandia's performance across the board has been first rate. So at least the good performance offsets the high fees. But of course, if the performance collapses, you're left with high fees, which can have a devastating effect on the outcome. Legal in general, um, that's for their full service personal pension. They do have a stakeholder priced personal pension, which is a lot cheaper, but it'll be cheaper because there are restrictions in where you can invest your money. HSBC, now they um, have launched a new plan recently and they say that what they are doing is value driven. They look at what you want to achieve at the end of the day. They put you in a portfolio that's especially designed to achieve that outcome. And that's assuming that they achieve that outcome. They call it a success. And so that's what you're paying for. Now, you may want to achieve 6% and they achieve 6% and they say, hey, we've met your objectives. But everybody else might achieve 10%. But um, what they're doing is objective-led. They look at what you want, they set a target, and if they achieve it, then they say they delivered value for money for those charges. Mm. So basically a kind of a performance fee then? 
It is sort of that, yes. I mean, I guess most people, if they say, look, I want to achieve 6% return on my savings until I reach retirement, or they'll work out what you need to have in your retirement and what return you need to get on that money to reach your objective, and then they set out to achieve it. So it's brand new, though, early days, we don't know, and I'm going to keep a weather eye on it to make sure that they do perform, because 40%... Um, out of a single premium over 25 years is a heck of a lot of money to take out of your fund. Mm. Just in terms of the overall performance of the with profits pension funds that you've been looking at, um, there was a a slight improvement on average from last year's performance, but then stock markets were up, you know, certainly 11%, I think, in the UK last year. Why why haven't we seen this feed through into the with profits funds? Um, Well, with profits add bonuses as they go along and they smooth them out. It's one of the features of with profits and it's supposed to let you sleep better at night Um, but because of the way the bonuses are added um, when you have a bad year then the coffers will be uh, less full so when they have a good year they need to replenish the coffers so you won't see the outcome of that in your bonuses immediately it'll take time to feed through that's the objective of smoothing Um, so the the returns are never going to be exciting so even if they had 11% growth last year you wouldn't get 11% growth in your bonus Mm. probably get 5% well keep the other 6% back to replenish the funds Steve and Janet correct if I'm wrong you're very dependent on the final bonus as well I mean I've got a prudential pension who's uh, with profits pension whose return has entirely been or annual comparisons of its return has been entirely driven by whether or not the pru is bothered to say this is what the final bonus will be this year. So as you say, the annual bonus is pretty consistent, but it's all in that final bonus, or indeed the MVR-type penalties that some people are paying. Yes, um, you don't tend to see MVR penalties so much on pensions because people are saving for retirement into the future, but you're quite right about terminal bonuses. And the reason why they're so high, in fact, some of them are shockingly high, at 60% of the final payout. The reason why they're so high is because the life insurance company can look at how well the, the equities have performed over the period of your policy and just stick a big lump sum on the end. They're not obligated to provide that. Mm, or uh, not. Or, or not, yes. The thing lump. about reversionary yeah. bonuses is that once they've been added... They're guaranteed to be payable when you reach retirement as long as you keep paying the premiums. So it's a built-in guarantee to your policy, and that's why they've been virtually non-existent over the last five years, because it's a guarantee, and guarantees cost money. So what more and more insurance companies are doing is holding back growth and paying you a huge terminal bonus. But that makes them as risky as unit-linked policies because you don't know what you're going to end up with. And just finally, Janet, um, while the average performance hasn't shot the lights out this year, some funds have done very well. I know that um, uh, Prudential is is one of the stronger funds. Um, Wesleyan, I think, also has done very well. On the strength of that, would you buy a With Profits Fund today? See, the thing is, they've changed up all recognition over the past 10 years. They used to have these big guarantees built in, which, as I said, cost money. And now they're all unitized. And so they're much more like a unit-linked policy. You do get the smoothing of the bonuses and you do get the terminal bonus if investment conditions have been right. The thing about a unit link policy is if the stock market goes up, you see the effect of that immediately in your fund value. But then the reverse is true because if it goes down, you see the effect of that on your fund. So maybe if I wanted a balanced portfolio, I would have some in with profits and other in unit link, but I certainly wouldn't put all of my fund in a with profits pension. Good idea. Um, Thank you very much for that, Janet, and for full details of how your With Profits Fund has performed. Read our article in the FT Money section this weekend and pick up a copy of the March edition of Money Management out at the end of this month. Finally today, what is the most successful investing style? 
Buying shares that have performed well, so-called momentum investing, has been very profitable in the UK stock market. That's according to research published this week by Credit Suisse and the London Business School. However, two other widely followed investment styles, buying shares based on value measures such as the price to book ratio or favoring smaller companies over large, have been more successful in markets outside the UK. So Steve, does this mean that investors should pursue a momentum style in the UK but find a value investment fund for Japan and maybe a smaller company's fund for the US? Well, Alice, in relative terms, that does seem to be the conclusion one should draw from this very long-term academic study by as you say London Business School with Credit Suisse. Um but what's interesting is that the study shows that momentum investing broadly works across a range of markets. They looked at about 19 markets here, 19 of the developed stock markets. They unfortunately weren't able to look at the emerging markets because the data probably isn't there for the very long term. Similarly there's a value effect, similarly there's a smaller company's effect. I.e. all other things being equal by the smaller company because it'll do better than the larger company over time. But yes, what also comes out of the research is that different styles work better in different markets. So momentum's work particularly well in the UK but it also has very bad patches as well you'd have lost money by being a momentum investor in 2009 you'd have lost 25% um at a time when most people of course saw great profits so it's it does depend on conditions it's interesting on the momentum thing i mean if you're a momentum investor so you're buying shares that have done well how do you know when to sell how do you know when to stop um riding the momentum when they start to fall So it does depend on the mechanism so typically you're saying I mean in you know there are various ways of doing it you you could look back over a year look back over 6 months how often you rebalance and this is one of the criticisms of momentum investing that actually to constantly rebalance involves an awful lot of cost dealing cost so yeah. exactly so it may not be feasible for a private investor to run their own momentum portfolio but in broad terms it's it's something that does appeal to many private investors mentalities i.e. they prefer to run their winners they start to think that's a good share so i'll hang on to it and um well they also of course in many in many cases hang on to their losers um when in fact this sort of uh theory would say just cut your losses and what about is there any advice around what the best plan might be in the current uh, economic environment and in in the current stock market because i know that buy and hold investors are often recommended to do buy and hold investing but that only works arguably in a, a strong bull market so when you know shares have gone up over a 20 year period buy and hold has made you money then but you know over the past decade we've had this kind of lost decade for equities and buy and hold probably wouldn't have served you very well over the past 10 years but what about right now with the stock market nobody quite knows what's going to happen it could go sideways this year there could be a double dip it could go up is there any advice around what the best strategy might be right now No is the simple term mm-hmm. except that um bonds have probably had their day um bonds have had a fabulous bull run um as we know and are unlikely to deliver in the future in that sense the academics think that the on average the 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 weighted of opinion is towards equities this is standard consensus view of course value has had a poor return as offered a poor return in recent years uh phrases like the dash for trash um listeners will have heard um that means it's smaller companies it's companies that have just bounced really that have done well whereas those big boring companies the big pharmaceutical companies the big oils have not done so well even though they paid you good dividends along the way 
when investors are choosing investment funds, they really should be looking to see what the fund manager's doing, if anything. Um, momentum is rarely on the title of a fund, but is often at all used by many fund managers. Value, of course. Anthony Bolton is such a famous value Well, manager. indeed, indeed. But um, value, again, isn't often on, mm. on the label mm. of, of a fund, and yet the manager may be value-oriented. So the reality is probably to try and get a sense of what your manager's doing. And equally, that should be a way of reviewing your fund as well. So at the end of the year, if your fund's done incredibly well, you should be saying, well, is it because he's a genius, or is it just because value is in vogue. Good advice, Steve. And if you'd like to know more about what investment style you should be using, look out for Steve's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve, Tanya and our special guest, Janet Wolford at Money Management. Bye. Bye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.